Welcome to On the Bench. This is Brendan Sinone. I got Josh Newberg with me, and uh, full transparency, I'm a little anxious because I haven't planned out this podcast very well, but I'm not going to apologize for it, Josh. I know. Thank you for not apologizing for it, Brendan. No, we're going to be fine, man. We got a we got a very special guest today, so uh, he'll carry the show. Baby, baby steps for me, and yeah, I think uh, I think part of the not planning a whole lot is because I know we have a true pro coming on uh, as we continue our Meet the Beat series, and that is Ingram Smith, the uh, the co-host and founder of the Nolcast. Ingram, welcome to On the Bench, sir. How's it going? Hey, uh, fortunate to be able to join you guys. Look forward to it, and uh, thank you very much for having me. I've, yeah, I've enjoyed well. the series. It's been uh, it's been well done. It's, it's thank you. We appreciate that. It's been fun to do to get to know, uh, introduce our audience to other members of of the B. If they haven't, you know, listened to those guys or, or read their work, and I think one thing that Josh and I have have learned from this is like there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Like you got to have your own niche and do your own thing, and and everyone's had a unique perspective. So as we uh, start off this interview here, Ingram, I'm I'm curious to get your your history and your thoughts on on how the Nolcast came about, really? Well, um, so the Nolcast started, I um, I guess I'll try to wrap this up or put this in as concise a manner as possible. I went we're, to... We're, we're, we're all quarantined, man. You got as much time. You got as long, much time. Yeah, long form. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll take you back to my junior year of college. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. So I graduated from, uh, from a small college in Virginia with a degree in economics and went into commercial real estate. Uh, upon graduating from uh, from Hampton, Sydney. And uh, I graduated in 2006, and I went into commercial real estate and was in a job where um, you can make a good amount of money, but you're not guaranteed to make a dime. Uh, and I remember of September 2008, I was at my desk and I watched uh, like the Lehman Brothers company, uh, their stock go from like $14 to $0.14. Cents. It was in the middle of the economic uh, kind of financial panic. And um, I quit my job. It wasn't anything heroic, as I could tell. I wasn't going to be making any money in commercial real estate anytime soon and went and worked at um, or offered to work for free, as I thought if I'm going to be working for free, I should probably really enjoy what I'm doing. And I went to 680 The Fan and I worked uh, for free for a long time, which is a radio station here in Atlanta. And I don't think it's even legal what I did uh, now and it might not have been <laughs> necessarily legal then either, uh, but it was a way to kind of get my footing in a business that I had a lot of passion about and was always you know super interested in sports and wildly passionate about Florida State. I've told uh, Josh this previously, but I would I was like ordering his uncle's recruiting materials as a nine and ten year old. Uh, I was actually writing and contributing. To his on his website when I was twelve or thirteen. Um, so I've just were, always were, been. Were, a you, guy were you getting paid? Were you getting paid for that? Uh, actually, for, Josh is going to be paying me for that now. Uh, <laughs> I talked retroactively. To Jamie yeah, so that was part of the agreement of actually coming. What a deal he, he cut with you. Yeah, yeah. deferred he, payments. He, he's, he's getting. Deferred he, payments. Ingram's getting paid more to do this podcast than I am right now. It's impressive. <laughs> So when you're when you're working at the radio station, like what what are you doing as you kind of cut your teeth in the industry? Like what is working for free uh, entail? Like what are your tasks? What are your jobs? Uh, how did you learn how to do what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't really answer the question either, but I was uh, I was fortunate to I didn't just get to go I, and I didn't know this, but I went to 
worked uh, on a on a show um, that at the time was in the afternoon slot, and it was for a producer who had uh, he was kind of getting out of the the business. He didn't really want to be a producer anymore, but he was exceptional, and he had, it wasn't just some random guy producing an Atlanta radio show. He had produced uh, the Callan. Callan Cowherd show. He had produced uh, Tony Kornheiser. He had wow. done Michael Savage on the political front. Uh, just had an incredible resume for a guy who was in his late 30s and didn't want to necessarily be a producer anymore, but loved uh, teaching what he knew. Uh, so I was exceptionally fortunate to be able to work under a guy. And then that kind of developed into a couple college football specific projects uh, that were tied to uh, some individuals there in the radio. Um, station at 680 and uh, part of that was we built a website out and I contacted Bud Elliott about uh, creating some content known as a podcast and the Nolcast uh, kind of the oh, Nolcast 1.0 started there. I think he skipped a few steps but how did you and Bud I mean where did you yeah, and Bud cross that's paths? A good one. <laughs> so Bud and I uh, I really didn't know Bud uh, I had just kind of met him on the internet to be honest with you there were some uh, message boards oh, and then met Bud Elliott on the internet and oh. liked him on the internet <laughs> and liked him. Uh, Cause I, didn't well, like him until I, I mean, our, our initial conversations were him calling me, telling me that I was wrong about stuff like that. Uh, so he was, he was true to form. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> that makes more sense. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, Bud and I actually, I think we had done the podcast for like maybe three or four years before we actually met each other in person for the first time. So, uh, it was just kind of a, Strange thing where I made a uh, phone call to him. We first time we talked, we talked, you know, for what, two and a half hours about the time. Say again. What site did you meet him on? I mean, you know, like what I'm assuming it's an FSU message board. Uh, I met him on a website called the main board, which was kind of a place where all of this information would get um, yeah, you know, all put together. So that's where it started uh, as far as my interaction with uh, interactions with Bud. And then, uh, yeah, so we just kind so of went from there. About? 2009, 2010, somewhere in that area. All right, so when would you say the NOLCast like, officially formed? What year? I think we started doing a formal podcast for every game, Josh, in 2011. 2011, okay, so that's interesting. That's like the kind of the rise of the Fisher area. So... Did you guys ever consider adding another person or was it always just going to be you and Bud? I think um, we would have considered we would have added somebody at first. We were just kind of out there in our own space, to be honest with you. There really wasn't um, a whole lot of other podcasts. And Jeff Cameron, uh, credit to him and his uh, both Matt Mallory and Tom Ling. His producers have been so far out in front of other people as far as recording their shows and putting them online and making them available when really nobody was doing that. I mean, I suggested that at 680 in, in 2008, 2009, and was told, like, why would you want to erode our terrestrial listenership? I think Jeff and his team have been doing that since the middle 2000s. So there certainly was some kind of audio out there for people to consume that didn't have to be listened to real time. But for a while, we were the only podcast uh, I would have been open to adding somebody, but it was never really a conversation that we had, Josh. Where were you guys hosting it at the time? I would say for the first five years, we might have had like three guests on the whole time, and, and you were one of them. It really wasn't something that we we really just kind of picked up a phone call, talked to each other for two hours, recorded the conversation, posted it. It was For a while, it wasn't really like some venture that we were actively trying to yeah. 
That's actually funny because uh, I mean, I listen to the Noel cast, you know, you guys have been doing it for years. Of course I've heard it several times, but I don't listen all the time, but as far as I know, you guys don't (laughs) bring guests on yet. I've, I've appeared on the Noel cast. So I was wondering like, where did that decision come from? Because it's not an easy one. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Having done podcasts, guests can be used as a crutch. Like it's yeah. easier to have a guest on than not. So I'm so Definitely. for those listening, I'm not taking a shot. I'm just wondering like how you guys came up with that formula. Shots taken, bro. Actually, yeah. we had you on hence, and we're like, we'll never series. ever do that again. Uh, after having <laughs> newborn cloud our airwaves. Um, a lot of it comes from my background in sports radio. A lot of it comes from the idea that we don't like I'm not a proponent of taking callers either. Callers very rarely progress the show. And I'm not trying to piss people off or anything like that. But it's rare that you're the show is moved forward after taking a phone call, um, especially so, a show like yours. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> dedicated to the X's and O's. And, right. Yeah. And. You know, how many times can Bud tell somebody they're wrong before they before they keep calling in? Um, I, it's it's really, you know, Mark Ennis is somebody that uh, appears regularly. There was a season, Josh, where we had a guest for every show or at least we started to for uh, for each kind of a preview before the game. And the, I didn't think the audio quality was good enough to justify putting on the podcast. So uh, there's there's been various reasons as to why we've been kind of shy about having guests and if we have one on it's because we're pretty confident that he's going to be able to bring in perspective that you know bud or i otherwise wouldn't have been able to utter out there yeah in the beginning when you guys formed the Nolcast and had the idea to do like a um you were saying a breakdown for every podcast was it was the vision more content was it this is going to be a big industry that we can make money in down the road. I mean, like what was the genesis for even launching the Nolcast? So the Nolcast was um, like just the idea. I really believed in the mantra at the time. And it's something that the guy that I was talking about preached is like, you got to, you really got to narrow your focus to broaden your appeal. And for me, it was our want was to just like drill down one team, one program, and try to give you, you know, 55 minutes to, I mean, some of the original podcasts we did were like two hours and 46 minutes long too. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. Uh, but it was to just give concentrated information in a, in an air where that's really kind of the only product that you can put out there. I mean, unless you, you know, I mean, unless you've played in the NFL for 17 years or, or you've been covering it for 20 years, it's hard to put out a broad product out there. Uh, you really need to specialize in something. And, that was the want of the null cast as far as like thinking that this was going to become a big thing. No, not really. I didn't, but I did believe in podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I actually pitched, uh, I don't well pitch is too strong of a term. I talked to two, four, seven, 10 years ago about doing a team specific podcast for every site. I thought that was a, a great idea and kind of the way of the future. So I've certainly believed in podcast. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a way to put information out there where, you know, not everybody can be on a message board all day. Not you can you can listen to it for 15 minutes at night. You can listen to it for an hour in the morning in the gym, wherever. Uh, It's just a very easily packaged uh, information that can be kind of consumed as, you know, to the to the consumers want. So uh, I've been a a believer in them, but I wasn't necessarily thinking that the, you know, the null cast was going to be this uh, this big thing. And it is, you know, relatively speaking, Mm -hmm. it's really not that big of a of a creation even at this point in time 
Well, I mean, I would argue that it is, I mean, relatively speaking, a really big creation. I, I don't think our podcast, Ingram, has the success that it's had without what you guys did, you know, trailblazing. I know you mentioned Jeff Cameron and and them having the idea to put their episodes online. Uh, but but for you, like when, I guess, when did it all come together that you said, okay, let's, in 2011, like, let's put this in a podcast form. Like, what was the origins of actually thinking, like, I think Bud and I would have something here I think we could produce a product that's unique. Like how did that planning in your mind really kind of come together? Well, Bud, uh, you know, from the first time I talked to Bud, like we would talk for an hour and a half about, you know, defense alignments, weight gain, how much, uh, you know, weight you're going to be able to put on the ends over the course of a summer or whatever else. And it was just obvious that this guy can talk Florida state football for a very long time and at a level that not many others can. So, um, we kind of just wanted to see where that would go, to be honest with you. Um, we were hesitant to take sponsors originally. Uh, I mean, the show did do well as far as listenership. And uh, I think by year two or three, we could have done the standard, you know, food service here, mattress firm here, underwear, you know, the, the same ads that everyone on everybody's podcast in the middle of the 2000s. And uh just didn't really want to do that because we didn't really think we were in a place to, we had a polished enough of a product to really start to have sponsors and, and, uh, go forward. And then around, I think 2016 was the beginning of the Nolcast where we kind of made a little bit of a pivot point invested in mics and stuff like that, where previously we were just, you know, yelling at each other over our cell phones, uh, <laughs> capturing audio and then putting it up in an MP3 form. So that was definitely a, a little bit of a pivot point that we needed to take it a little bit more seriously and uh, try to see what what a more finalized, polished product would look like. And uh, like the our want is not necessarily to be like the best Florida State podcast or whatever else. I, I really have always told Bud that, uh, in my opinion, we should strive to be the best like team specific podcast that there is out there uh, wherever, you know, whether it be soccer or football or anything else. And, um, we've had some success, but I want to, you know, credit you guys on what you have done on the bench has been very successful. And it's only because, uh, you know, let me put it this way. If, if people start listening to on the bench, they're a hell of a lot more likely to give the null cast a listen and vice versa. So I, I, Florida state fans enjoy a plethora of options when it comes to podcast at this point in time. And, I think that's, uh, you know, still only a good thing for the Nolcast and On the Bench and other pods out there. Well, the On the Bench and the Nolcast, I mean, they they definitely complement each other more than they do replace each other. I don't think you could really gather that, you know, we, we don't we don't do we just do things differently and at our own speed, um, which which makes them unique and successful on their own. So my question to you though, Ingram is what's your favorite episode that you've ever recorded with the null cast? <laughs> um, I mean, a, a cheap layup would be the instant reaction after the national championship, but, um, no, I wasn't really thinking that one, but I don't know. Probably, probably some of the instant reactions that I've done where I probably had a little bit too much to drink, but have tried to keep it, you know, keep it between the right. lines. Uh, <laughs> those stand out. I mean, after the ULM one this year, I I really thought that I was like, you know, recording my own uh, suicide note or something like that with how depressing I was. But uh, it was true, and I 
at that moment, I knew it was all over. And I knew, you know, I didn't think he was going to be fired that year, but I knew that the whole experiment had failed. It within, was done. Right, were, you, were, you by, were you by yourself on that one, Ingram? Was that the one yeah. you did? By, I remember listening to that on the way back from was. Uh, driving back from Doke to my house and listening to that. I'm like, oh, yep, he's he's done. But you could tell. I, was, it, it I, was, I said something like it's time to swallow the painful pill that is realizing that this whole project is but a massive failure. And uh, that was unfortunately too true. Mm. Willie Taggart tried telling his team that that was a turning point after that game. Well, so weird. When you only win but so many games, you got to try to savor the victories when you get them. What about at what point? Now, you were modest earlier saying you don't think uh, that, that the null cast is a huge deal, but I, I would disagree. It's, it's a big deal, relatively speaking. And I'm curious in when you thought, Ingram, that it was something special, that you guys had something that was sustainable, that you thought was something that would be good for a very long time, which it has been. Was there a certain moment where you're like, okay, we have we have something here? Well, uh, this is all like um, algorithmic bullshit, if you don't mind <laughs> me using that expression. But when we first took the Nolcast to iTunes, we were the number one podcast in the sporting world, which is not anywhere near what our listenership is, right? It's just all based off number of new subs and things like that. And it trended well for us. That was the first time I realized like, wow, there's an awful lot of people that listen to this. But um from the first time we did it, it, I think it was the most popular thing that I did on the college football website that I was working on. And um, I could tell that it was, you know, had some some strength behind it. But um, there's just been periods of time. And I'm sure you guys have seen this and, and uh, will continue to see it. There's you know, you'll pick up like maybe five to 10 percent each year, in my opinion, of listenership. Uh, and Josh, you could probably speak to this more at, at, with your involvement with Big Three. But. Then there's these opportunities for these chunk gains, and mm-hmm. um, and Moments. I feel like I feel like we've done pretty well with that. We we called out the, you know, the Jimbo Fisher stopped recruiting thing at a time where it was kind of uncomfortable to really have a conversation like that. And Bud had a great line on, uh, you know, him headed out to Texas A&M real early. And, uh, you know, there's been moments where you don't just gain by five or eight percent. You gain by 25, 30, 40 percent. And you try to keep those people with you. And I certainly imagine that you guys did that some with the way and the level that you carried and covered the, you know, the Norbell search. Um, so you see these times where, you know, your listenership gets multiplied by two or three. And that's kind of a real eye opener as to what's possible out there as far as your real pool of listenership. And then when you see the retention of that is, um, you know, you're never going to keep people at a, um, you know, a count of 100 to 100. But if you, you keep 75 of those 100 people that hadn't listened to you previously, well, then, uh, you know, your numbers just went up significantly. And the, the basis of that of who listens to you uh, can grow at a rate that's pretty humbling. Yeah, I think I had this conversation with Josh right after the. It was maybe after Norvell was hired when that dust, then when the dust was settling, and I remember telling Josh like, "Hey, this is this is like everyone's listening to us right now. You just tell from the numbers. You can tell tell from you know, we would talk about something on the podcast and it would make it on a Twitter and be a conversation starter on Twitter in 24 hours. So it's kind of cool to to you can feel and and sense it. When when was the biggest jump for you guys? Was it after at the end of the Jimbo era? Like when was the biggest climb that you think you guys you you made at any one given time? Uh, the, the Jimbo leaving, uh, Willie coming in was certainly a, a massive time. Um, the, the Norvell search that we just went through there, our listenership 
grew at a level that I didn't think we could as a podcast that's been out there for 10 years. You know, I mean, there's only so many new listeners that are available. Um, but yeah, Jimbo leaving is, is a moment in time for our listenership. Definitely with the, with the way that it developed, how, you know, that similar narrative had been out there in years past, but I think we were more aggressive in acknowledging it and saying that it was different this time. And, uh, you know, for a period of time, we were a unique enough voice to, uh, garner, garner some listeners that hadn't otherwise given us an option. When, I guess, how am I going to try to say this? Um, what am I trying to say? This is a great podcasting, Joshua. <laughs> What's your least favorite part of the Nolcast? Least favorite part of the Nolcast? Yeah. Um, I, I think we all have like a least favorite aspect of anything we do even if we love our job there's something about it so if brendan wasn't here i would tell you my least favorite part of on the bench (laughs) is this is this a leading question josh um (laughs) i think that you know i'm uh forever fortunate to be able to do the null cast i mean i'm a kid who grew up convincing my mom when I was nine years old to start, you know, given, uh, the website that would ultimately become war chant, you know, $9 a month when I was 10. And, uh, you know, I'd wake up on the tribal council as a 12 or 13 year old, the first resume I ever put together, not resume, but like a, Hey, here I am. Consider me for something. I think I emailed Gene Williams when I was 13 or 14, suggesting that I should be a message board moderator. So, I mean, you know, this is, uh, the idea that I'm never in your wildest dreams. Yeah, the idea that I'm the age that I am and and get to do the null cast is all gravy. There is there's a level of challenge to doing a podcast with Bud Elliott, and there's also a level of the it's the easiest thing in the world when you do a, a podcast with Bud Elliott. Um, so you have to kind of try to find the right tone uh, when Bud goes on an answer that's five minutes and 20 seconds about the offensive tackles, then yeah, I don't need to say anything else about the offensive tackles, you know? So, um, I'm thrilled with the success that the null cast has had. Um, and there's at times been challenges with that. And also when you have a bunch of people listen to you, you know, some people are going to not like you and that's just what happens when you have numbers. And so you kind of got to get accustomed to that and get, I don't want to say a thick skin. It's not like there's anything, real tough about it, but you got to realize that if a hundred people listen to you, uh, anywhere from three to 13 are going to think you're really stupid and shouldn't have the right. platform. Uh, yeah. With scale, everything that always yeah. happens. Brendan's dealing with it to this day. He, <laughs> no, uh, gonna, he reminds just... me of all of our comments and, and stuff. And he tells me and <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need, I need thicker skin there. What I was going to say, if you're doing a product worth doing about 10% of the people who yeah. listen, shouldn't or read or what anything that you do creatively, uh, 10% of the people should disagree with, or it's not worth, it's just going to happen. Not worth doing. It's just going to happen. Uh, what's your thoughts on the podcast industry in general? You guys have been in this, in this world for a while. Um, what's your thoughts on where we are and where we're headed? Well, I think there's, uh, I think there's still a lot of room for growth for pods. I mean, they're incredibly lucrative in the fact that your listenership is, very well educated, very affluent, and um, at a level that it's really hard for uh, advertisers to find otherwise. Um, and most of that, in my <laughs> opinion, and it's really become confirmed with looking at my own internal analytics here, uh, podcasts are tied to people's commutes to their jobs. 
as much as anything out there. And, yeah. you know, if you've got somebody that's making a commute to a job, then it means they have a, you know, some type of consumable income in all likelihood. And I think it's a real appealing thing. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily going anything but uh, or going anywhere. But I do think that there may be some kind of contraction in the market as, you know, when, when there's a, just a unfettered supply, uh, then there's, there's going to be some kind of shrink at some point. Uh, or just people are, need to be uh, familiar with the idea that their podcast is going to have like 319 listens. You know, and I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm talking to you from some uh, mountain on high. But if you started a Florida State podcast right now, good luck, man. Good luck trying to get any kind of footing. Um, and you certainly would over time. And I'd encourage anybody to to find whatever their niche is and realize that it's going to take a while to build an audience if they're even interested in building one. Uh, but there's just so many options out there, uh, whether it be Florida state football, you know, political, <laughs> professional wrestling, everything else mm -hmm. that I think the space is, uh, is not necessarily going to be impossible to get into. It's just going to be much more of a challenge to try to put any kind of meaningful, unique product out there. That's what makes, and I, I know you've been on his show before. That's what makes Trey Rollins' podcast, and he was a guest on the show what, last week. So cool is like he started this not that long ago. Didn't have any really platform other than his, you know, his microphone to to get it going, and it was self-made. I thought that was is so interesting. Like Josh and I's podcast, or with Chris too. Like what we do, we had a big platform. That's why we were partially successful. Uh, and you guys kind of started from scratch too, Ingram. I just I think it's interesting how you how we're talking about all these different podcasts with different people, different networks of, of information and sourcing. And I want to ask you about that. Uh, how has your sourcing changed or expanded since you started doing the, the NOLCast? I know you've always been involved with FSU and paid attention, but being a voice and, and having a show that puts out news, I imagine that would have to have helped expand your network over the years. Is that a fair, uh, fair question? Certainly. Yeah. And I have conversation with people that, again, it's kind of childhood conversation. Me is hard to, you know, really believe that I'm having, you know, players who played in the 90s or whatever, send me emails about what they think is going on with the program or whatever. You know, that's, <laughs> that's kind cool. of fictional to me. Um, so I grew up um you know, I was like a just a, basically a meathead, a good athlete, but not good enough to be an athlete full time. Uh, so all my friends were kind of similar, uh, <laughs> you know, not well-rounded individuals like myself. And some of them went on to uh, play professional sports. A lot of them went into coaching. I've been fortunate to be able to build up kind of a network of sources and guys that I grew up playing ball with who are, you know, uh, coaches at the college level or uh, pro level. When we started the Nolcast, I was, it was just a happenstance. Um, I was very fortunate. I had a good friend of mine on the staff. Uh, so I, I had a, a very direct line of information uh, and was able to provide some clarity on some issues that, that weren't there otherwise and able to have a, you know, perspective on Jimbo Fisher that I think was a little bit unique at the time. Um, but yeah, I'm very fortunate in, uh, like the idea of people that I'm able to have somewhat regular communications with is something that I would have never, ever imagined. Uh, and particularly not, you know, going to school with the idea of going into, you know, I didn't go to journalism school. I didn't necessarily see this as what I was trying to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, if you cover a team for 15 years, even, in a little bit of a remote manner, then you have opportunities to interact with people and 
uh, particularly in the past couple of years, uh, three or four years, as the Nolcast has grown more in stature, it's been uh, it's been interesting to see who you get to meet. There's not a lot of criticisms of the Nolcast. I know you said earlier not everyone's going to love your work. There's very few criticisms. The ones that oh, are out there, plenty. Are, Fire away too. You don't uh, need to uh, wrap this up in anything, Brendan. Just sh- I, shoot. I was. <laughs> uh, I like to preface things. I was going to say that that the criticisms are loud of the ones who don't like what you guys do. So there is that polarizing nature, but it's like 90% to 10%. Uh, and that criticism though is, is that there's a lot of, I told you so's on, on the podcast. And most of that's because you guys are often right. Correct. So that's part of it. But, but do you have an example of when you've been dead wrong on an opinion or something you thought was going to, to happen that, that just didn't occur that way that like in hindsight, maybe still sticks with you or, or bothers you? Well, I mean, I certainly thought Willie Taggart was going to experience success at a level that oh, he never did. That uh, I mean, that, that's the easy question. That's the easy answer. Um, we all did, though. Uh, you are you weren't alone on that one. So, knowing about like the way that Jimbo Staff 1.0 left him and bringing in. Uh, kind of that that next wave there in 2013. I didn't think that uh, Florida State would have the ability to really challenge for a national championship. I didn't think you were going to be able to put that many new pieces in. Um, but if you want to go way back even further, like I was um, had line of information about the college football realignment um, situation 10 years ago before a lot of people did. And was um, out in front of the idea of Florida State not necessarily marrying themselves to the ACC. Uh, but ultimately, I was wrong about that and, and wrong about that in a pretty public uh, manner. So, um, you know, if, you, if you're going to have opinions and you're going to try to project the things, you're going to be wrong about things. And I think sometimes you just got to take your medicine, accept that you were wrong, apologize if it's, uh, if it's appropriate, rarely as it is when you're talking about sports, um, and otherwise – move about. But there's certainly, you know, there's a litany of things that I've been wrong about. And if that's a <laughs> criticism of the Nolcast, it's very valid. It's not, you know, certainly not the tone that I intend to have where I tell everybody how right I was. Um, but I can, I can get that. And I'm sure another criticism is that there's not, you know, but I don't disagree a whole lot and that's just going to happen. I mean, uh, we're never going to pardon the interruption or, or, you know, I mean, we're never going to fake, uh, fake sides, crossfire, yeah, you, you know, too easy uh, to tell. and it's, it's just not something that's a good product either as far as a final piece of content. It, you know, it may be something to rile people up for a couple of weeks or something like that, or create some kind of storyline if that's your, your want between hosts. Uh, but yeah, um, I've been wrong about a lot of stuff. And if I continue to do the Nolcast for another 10 years, I'll probably continue to uh, swing and miss more than I'd like to. One thing that kind of keeps popping in my mind throughout this, this interview Ingram is, is I'm so used to you talking about Louisiana hot sauce. I'm waiting for you to drop a, to drop a plug. Where the heck did this, how did that become a sponsor? This hot sauce <laughs> from Louisiana become, it's something that's always semi bothered me. That's never made, made sense to me. So I'm sure there's some background there. I'd be interested in knowing. Uh, it was a fortunate relationship that I had. Uh, and I had interacted with the people for a while and told them about the, the Nolcast and, you know, it promised them that I wasn't just, you know, speaking into a microphone and 21 people were listening. And, and uh, after two or three years, they agreed to look at our numbers and really have an honest conversation with us. And uh, and they came on and, uh, hey, look, they gave us a level of uh, 
you know, gave, gave us a, a level of, <laughs> of authenticity, I guess, uh, or not even authenticity. That's not the right word. They validated us as mm-hmm. far as having a national sponsor that with all due respect to, you know, Matt Thompson and his team and all the people that have chosen to partner with us over the years, a national food product gives you validation at a level that maybe others don't. So uh, we've been really fortunate to work with them. And I can promise you that we've, you know, certainly done right by them as far as uh, their return on investment. So it's it's been a good partnership for both of us. Yeah, and I appreciate enough. you letting me plug my own product. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. We don't have sponsors. <laughs> Might as well let someone do it. Uh, you're, you're, one thing, people, when they listen to your podcast, they know like a, like a nice Easter egg that's, that's thrown in, in there every now and then, Ingram, is that you like uh, or that you're very aware of Georgia geography. Mm. Uh, and and yeah. how many how many counties are there in, in the state of Georgia? How many exactly? I know that Georgia has, I think, the second most counties only to Texas. This was because of a um, there's a state law or there was a state law in the 1920s that you had to be able to communicate to your town seat by horse and buggy. And or you had to be able to travel there and back uh, within the same day. And so that is why Georgia has so many stupid counties. I think it's like 150 something but I don't know it off the top of my head, to be honest with you. 159. 159. 159. Yeah. I asked you that fully expecting you to know it exactly off the top of your head, and I was panicking trying to find the to find the answer. I'm, I'm going to quiz you on three uh, towns or cities that I've been to in the past year Oh, goodness. in Georgia okay. and see if you can guess the county, all right? All right. All right. Starting off with an easy one, softball, Thomasville, Georgia. Uh, that would be Thomas County, yes. All right. One for one. All right, Osceola, Georgia. Osceola. I can tell you kind of where that is in the state. I'm not sure I know exactly what county that is. It is in Irwin County. I asked that because I went to go cover the DJ Lundy. That's uh, right. Yeah, that, I should have gotten that. I should have uh, gotten that with how recently. So there's no way you're going to get this one then. If, I, like if, to, or, I like to coordinate my geography with Georgia based off major highways too. And so I'm frequently like, oh, yeah, that's kind of – Kind of 20 minutes east of 75 there, and that's kind of how I remember where stuff is. But the uh, third one that I won't be getting right. What is, was this was going to be impossible, I think. Barney, Georgia. Barney, Barney, Georgia. Swing and a miss for me. I don't, I don't have it. <laughs> Brooks County. There's a delicious little peach stand where they sell delicious uh, peach ice cream there. And, okay. Yeah. Barney, Georgia. Trip. Yep. All right. Did that bore you, Josh? My my Georgia question. I think we lost Josh. I no, that was compelling content. Good, good. Yeah, I knew you'd like that. <laughs> so right. when we talk about our least favorite part of the pod, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to ask. That's how we're going to end this podcast. In my mind, this is how I would envision us ending this, is for Ingram to go ahead and, and use his interviewing skills to ask Josh what his least favorite part of the podcast is. About the Nolcast? No, well, no. Yeah, Josh, give, give me your opinion. I, yeah, I how do we do that? I very much value your, your thoughts on the pod game. Uh, let me hear it. Well, no, I will just – Answer I thought question, you were Josh, say consistency Josh, because Josh, to me, I, need- I think consistency is probably like my least favorite part of it is like those times where you just don't feel like giving your take or don't feel like showing up, but you got to. So, I mean, that's it. Ingram wants you to give him a brutal analysis of the null cast, though. Is what he you guys, uh, but I'm interested in what you're saying right now. I mean, no, I feel it. I know what you're saying. As far as the null cast goes – it's an easy one. I mean, you guys are, are opinionated, but that's also why people tune in. So while some people might not 
might get upset at your opinions. You, you also, like Ingram said, have to understand scale and you also have to take a step back and understand that, well, even though they don't agree with my opinions, they're listening every week. So they, so even though they don't admit that they value my opinion, they they're showing me that they value my opinion by even listening to what I have to say. So, um, I'll, I'll give you guys a pass for being assholes. Okay. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, look, if, you if you're going to get, uh, if you're going to get angry enough that you think I'm so dumb that you went to Reddit to talk about how stupid I am on the podcast, then you're probably going to be listening to the Nolcast. If whatever I said, like fired you up that much. And I certainly don't, you know, throw things out there to try to, you know, I don't, uh, I don't intentionally stir the pot and the Nolcast isn't really kind of a quote unquote stir the pot podcast, but, um, it's a challenge and it's a challenge uh, to, um, to be focused on what you're doing, to be perfectly honest with you. And, and that may sound silly, but, uh, you just want to have a product that you can put out there that you, you know, you feel like you were paying attention and you wanted to do it and you weren't trying to, you know, watch something else or whatever other distractions that are out there. So, yeah. Uh, that is a, that's a challenge when you do a podcast for as long as you do. And I've, like I said, I'm a, I'm a little childhood boy, boyhood nut about Florida state football. It's as you know, in, inside me as possible when it comes to like a burning passion, but you still don't want to get monotonous or, you know, not appreciate the platform that you've been able to have. Definitely. All right, Brandon, take us home. What do you think Chris Neasley's favorite part of our podcast is Josh? Uh, all of it up. recording it yeah i yeah. think so plugging in his computer <laughs> all right ingram we appreciate your time and your insights and you are the uh, the og of fsu podcast and for that oh, we we thank out. you yes big ups or appreciate you having me if you want one more thing that i was wildly wrong about uh okay, i yes. wasn't sure the uh the big three roll-up was able to have the commercial success that it has ultimately had so josh congratulations to you guys and uh ultimately congratulations to what OTBs turned into. It's a great podcast. I really enjoyed listening to it and very much appreciate you guys having me on. No, we appreciate that. And if you, if you just take a step back and look at all the podcasts you just mentioned, we all sort of do the same thing, but we all do it our own way. And that's why they're all successful because we just do what we can. I'm, I'm, I'm playing, I'm tuning in the music right now. Ingram, what are your thoughts about the intro and outro music? Honest opinion as we, as we exit quickly. Oh, do your thing, man. I do a lot of music, but (laughs) unfortunately it was, uh, I don't say it was ruined by a producer, but one time we put some music out where we got a lot of letters and emails from New York City and law firms. And so the NOLCast will no longer be having music that we don't own on our podcast at any time ever. So cheers. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.